When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Talking Snooker with Phil Haig and Nick Metcalf. Once again, talking about the game we all love. Yeah, we're here on a Monday evening and I felt we were building up for a while saying, oh, I'm feeling like the season's getting started, coming along nicely, slowly building up. And it feels like it has arrived now. We've just enjoyed first sort of full knockout ranking, ranking tournament of the season. And it was a good one, wasn't it? It was really good. I thought it was a smashing tournament, actually. Funny enough, I listened to our, our last episode, Phil. I thought, oh, God, I've I dialed up the hypometer here. It's like I've swallowed <laughs> the Sky, Sky, Sky Sports, the Thors, you know. Every Sunday's a super Sunday on Sky. We know that. And mm-hmm. the, I, I was uh, giving it the big one. What a tournament we've got coming up. This is the big one. I thought, oh, my God, have I gone overboard here? But actually, maybe it's just, you know, me conveying the excitement, hopefully, of general, general snooker fans getting that sort of bona fide proper knockout tournament back. And it delivered. It was so good. Maybe the old absence makes the heart grow fonder thing. Maybe it was partly that. We're just so glad to have the game back. But actually, I think beyond that, so many good stories, intrigue throughout the week, really good standard of play. And we should say a winner that I think is universally popular throughout the game. I think it's fair to say Barry Hawkins, who has won his fourth Ranking event, Phil, winning that European Masters title, uh, beating Judd Trump in the final. And you know what? I thought I was hearing things, Phil. I think it was in the semi-finals when I heard the commentator say it was six and a half years since his last one. I thought, hang about, there's got to be a mistake here. But of course, those guys don't make mistakes. It was exactly that. I mean, he seems to get to the latter stages so often battling for the titles. It's sort of amazing it was so long. This week, Phil, there was none of those sort of nerves that we've seen from him, particularly in finals, but in all kinds of big matches. And that maybe that killer instinct, he had that in spades, didn't he? What steel he showed, what excellence he showed. And he was just a really, really good winner. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, played really well throughout the week. Um, did the usual thing where you didn't notice him for the first couple of matches. Uh, then he turns up in the last 16, you know, no one's surprised to see him there. Um, but what a great run from sort of, 
there onwards, wasn't it? Yeah, I watched that game against Luca Brassell. Um, that he beat up on brilliant performance in the semis against Selby, and then um, yeah, it probably wasn't their best match of the tournament, the final, which it rarely is, really. Um, but he was very good there as well. Um, got ahead, stayed ahead. Judd wasn't bad, I wouldn't say. I mean, he wasn't at his best, obviously, but he wasn't bad. Uh, and Barry came away with a relatively comfortable win in the end. So, yeah, very impressive. As you say, it's, it seems strange that it's been so long since his last ranker because he's been in a few finals, hasn't he? And uh, I think he's picked up a couple of non-rankings since his last last ranking title as well. Um, but, yeah, some of the, a couple of those finals were sort of damp, squibby kind of affairs, weren't they? Um, this event last season, actually, when he lost that, Pretty awful final against Kyron. Um, he lost w- w- quite a one-sided one to Neil Robertson. Of course, that Masters final, the last Masters final he got to was quite uh, one-sided as well against Robertson. So, um, yeah, sort of maybe developing a bit of a ropey reputation in finals a little bit on recent history, but um, he put that to bed nicely uh, this week in Germany. Yeah, and I wouldn't even say maybe. I think he he was developing a rugby reputation. I mean, that, you mentioned those three finals last year. I had a look back at the scores again. It was 4-10, 5-10 and 3-9. That obviously, Barry scores first in there, but unusual way of saying it, perhaps. But that's the way I wrote it down. And I, I think sometimes it works like that because you just thought that they're good beatings. And almost, it could have been more than that in those finals. I mean, the Masters one was a non-event. He played a little bit better in that one a few weeks after that, didn't he, against Neil? But then... Yeah, that European Masters again, he, he just, you know, Tyrone didn't have to be particularly excellent himself. It just, Barry just, again, just didn't show up. But I did say on Twitter, actually, I think he really needs to on, on the Saturday night. And he he did so. And the thing about it is, I mean, I made the joke before the semi saying Nostradamus couldn't predict the winner for me. I mean, he's, he'd have struggled, Phil, with those four. But mm. in all fairness, you know, Hawkins was the fourth of four, I think, in most minds. And in, in the poll I put up, lo and behold, he was a, a way behind those 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 other three, really, who were around about the same mark. So, you know, he went into it as, as the fourth favourite, if you like, in the semis. I know there's not much in it. And he has, you know, the other thing about Barry is not only is he just a top, top player who gets to the latter stages, wins things, he also isn't really afraid of, of any of those really, really biggest names in the game because he, he beats them often. You know, he's got good career records against them. I mean, is it almost even Stephen against Judd, you know? I mean, and someone mentioned the Masters match earlier this year. I thought, yeah, he should have won that, really. I mean, mm. that went all that went all the way. So he, he's one of those that doesn't really have any sort of hang-ups about him, nor should he. He's, he's so high in the rankings. But even some of those that have the next level, you sometimes feel they have sort of hang-ups here and there, but maybe not really so much with Barry. But there is that final thing. He had to show up, and he really did. It was kind of a an interesting one that I felt that, I mean, you always tend to pinpoint a few phrases, but I really thought the, the two that were absolutely pivotal were the last one of the first session and the first one of the second session. Now, he, he almost... Certainly could and maybe should have lost them both, Barry. He mm. won them both. I mean, he did brilliantly to capture that last one of the first session. 5-3 up. 5-3 is not really much, is it, first to nine, frankly, when you've got someone like Judd on the other side of the, the table. But that first one, goodness me. I mean, Barry looked like he was in charge of it. Judd came back and then, well, we all saw it. And I have seen people say that they're not absolutely 
100% delighted with that rule. Always been a rule, of course. You're going mm. off the black, the frame is over. I think I do have some s- sympathy with that view, actually. It's, it, you get that very much saying, oh, we, we've always done it like this. Well, doesn't mean we should always do it like that. But anyway, that's the way it's done. The frame went, and I thought at 6-3, si- at then 7-3, he was a big favourite, of course, then. I feel like I've done quite a bit of talking there. Over to you. <laughs> then there was that sticky patch, wasn't there, where Judd did start coming back. Yeah, no, I um, I watched the final today, actually, on Monday, because I was otherwise engaged on Sunday, and uh, I thought the exact same thing. Those two frames, even with an interval in between, um, felt absolutely massive because Judd would have felt that he, he should have won them both, really, and that would have been, uh, what, 5-4 ahead rather than 6-3 down. Um so, I mean, that is a huge difference, isn't it, uh, first to nine? Um, and, yeah, I mean, it, that was, I mean, he was really annoyed with himself, that in off the black, that was a sort of a silly mistake. And um, he would have been annoyed with himself if he didn't wrap up the, the eighth frame as well um, because he'd, he'd knocked in a tonne the, pre, the previous frame and another tonne two frames before that. So he, he was really sort of gathering some momentum. So, uh yeah, I mean, I said before it was a relatively comfortable win for Barry. It, it, it wouldn't have felt like that. Um, he was ahead for uh, throughout, really, and um, and nine six sounds all right. But yeah, I mean, Judd will have felt like he could have won it, even though he wasn't at his best. Um, but yeah, Barry did look good from uh, from seven when Judd got it back to seven six, and it could have been getting a bit nervy. And I think Barry even said his interview with Will Snooker at the end. Um, you know, I'm not words to the effect of, oh, it could be happening again, another nightmare final experience. Um, but he held himself well, uh, together well at the end. And uh, yeah, just very encouraging for him because belief has often been his problem. He's admitted that entirely. Like he's got everything in his game. Um, here, the other players talk about him. I remember Ronnie O'Sullivan describing him as a Rolls Royce once because um, he's really just strong in every department. Um, but in the mental side of the game is where he's sort of lacked a bit and he hasn't quite believed in himself enough. And, but, you know, a run, the run that he put together there in Nuremberg and that, that performance in the final um, should conjure up some belief for sure going forward this season. Yeah. Well, if that doesn't, nothing will. I mean, as you <laughs> said, what, what a perfect start. I mean, you know, we said before with, like with Kyron last year, this, you know, tends to put you in the biggest tournaments already. Mm. It's such a boost in the rankings. He talks about wanting to get back in the top 16. He already is. Now he'll just want to creep that higher and higher all the time, won't he? And get make sure he sticks again in that top 16. Um, yeah, it, it it definitely was sort of at 7-6. Oh, you know, I saw a couple of people on Twitter saying they've seen this movie before. I thought, yeah, that's a, probably the way to say it. It, it could there well be a Trump comeback. But then, of course, Barry... Stopped that rot, went to 8-6. But I did think in my head, you know, funny thing to think of perhaps, but you know they say 2 nil is the most dangerous scoreline in football. Well, mm. I think, I don't know if two up with three to play is the most dangerous scoreline in snooker, but it feels like we've had a bit of history with it recently. Higgins come to mind. He's lost a few of that from that situation. And you always think, you're almost over the line, but bloody hell, the other guy could still go bang, bang, bang and win it. You know, mm. perhaps the most famous two up with three to play I don't know about in the history of the game, but certainly in the recent history, was, of course, Selby on Ronnie in that unbelievable world semi when Ronnie went bang, bang, forced to the and won it. It can happen. But mm. I have to say, Barry played two excellent frames there. He really did. He, you know, he, not not perfect, but not that far away when you think about the high stakes. 
I mean, Judd didn't do an immense amount wrong in that last couple, I didn't think. It just was Barry, you know, really going for the line and, and, and finishing it strongly. But one thing I've got to say before before I forget, and I know we'll probably come to it myself, but just in case I don't say it, I can't remember the last time I saw Barry pinch so many frames from behind in such brilliant, steely fashion. If the man I just mentioned a few moments ago, John Higgins had done that, we'd be saying, vintage Higgins, what a dish, all that. You know, the, the man that comes from behind and pinches frames he has no right to. Well, Hawkins did that four or five times. He was just something else. It was against Selby and Trump in particular. They'd be 60 points up and the table... Even sometimes we look okay, but it's still a lot of pressure to do it. But sometimes the table wouldn't look that great. But Barry would just step in and, and just win the frames. It was so impressive. I also thought his his mid I can't remember what they call them now mid pocket shots when he got those sort of long long blues, so like the one of the um the the, the bulk pockets. Again, he'd have difficult reds so often to the bulk pockets. He was really doing those well. He was. He was recovering better than I've seen him for, for quite a while, actually, when he was in bad positions. And he was fit. I mean, they're all fearless, really, these top guys. But there's a real fearlessness about him that I loved. I, I really embraced watching this week. He, he ran out of position. We say, no, I, I'm not going to go back to my seat and play a safety here unless it really was prudent to do so. He was always taking, trying to take the attacking option. And you, you kind of have to do that these days, you know, you can't. You rarely win tournaments on the back foot. He was. He really went for it, and I love that. And yeah, he was just a, a really strong winner. I mean, Judd. I mean, we'll probably come to it. He, he he sort of said rightly, really. He got out of jail a couple of times in the tournament, so he did well to get that far, really. But you know, it's a few finals he's lost now, so he, he you know he's got a he wins plenty. Don't get me wrong, but you know he he, he doesn't you know always perform on the grandest stage now. That he's certainly not reliable for doing so. So. Listen, just a really enjoyable final, wasn't it? It went, in, went in fairly deep into the night and I think would have been really good viewing for people. Loads of big sport around at the moment. We know that at this time of year. But this this was a real competition for it. And in terms of wetting the appetite, feel, I mean, we'll perhaps go through the days in, in, in more detail shortly. It couldn't have been better, could it? For the first proper knockout tournament, we just can't wait for the events to come now. This was a, a real, do they call it a palate cleanser? I'm not really a, that much of a food type, something like that. Yeah, the, the sort of the sort of the opposite. Palate cleanser is at the end, isn't it? Oh, so that's true. That's whatever the start is, and a moose bouche. <laughs> <laughs> Ridiculous! No, it's not. It's not remotely a palate cleanser. That isn't that. Isn't that when you go for posh dinner and that, and they have it in between? I've only had that about three or four times in my life, by the way, and I'm very old, so it's not something I'm not I'm that used to. But yeah, no, I think I think you're you're probably right. So the, carry on, sir. It's an amuse bouche. Amuse bouche. We'll go with that. Yeah, yeah, because I think. It was one of those nice ones where you saw some big names falling out early and you're like, ooh, could be a surprise winner here. But then it nearly always comes down to really big names at the end again because there's there's enough big names for us to to handle a few early shocks and then they, they're still, um, they still survive. There's enough to survive to the end. Um, so it was good with that and a good few stories we'll get to um, a first-time quarterfinalist in there, which is nice to see. Um, so, yeah, a bit of everything. Um and even if we're going to include the qualifiers in it as well, they had a one four seven from Sean O'Sullivan. So, um, I mean, that was against Hawkins as well, funnily enough. So even going back to the qualifier, he was uh, having to deal with someone knocking in a max against him. So he's done well throughout. Um, yeah, it was interesting with Judd. Um, he's sort of not really been informed for ages now, really, even though he's been good enough to still get to some finals, um, win the Masters. Um, but it's 
it seems quite a long time ago that, that he was in something like his best form. Um, yeah, and that just shows how good he is that he can still get a lot of good results, but not that many wins. Yeah, I mean, obviously, this is weird when we sort of separate ranking and non-ranking so clearly because um, the Masters is is in this time frame. But um, other than the Turkish Masters, which he went over and won um, last year, that's his only ranking win since 2021. Um, which seems unusual for a guy who's winning six in a season very shortly before that. Um, but that, yeah, I mean, I'd say that that's sort of one way of looking at it. He's been to, he's won the Masters, he's been to a world final, and now a couple of other ranking finals since the Turkish Masters. So he's not doing badly, um, yeah. but certainly he's struggling to he's struggling to put those those ranking titles on the board like he was not too long ago. Yeah, that's right. And you know what comes to my mind? You hear lots of things during the week and you sometimes filter so, some of them out because you hear so much. But there's there's always a little nugget. And I, I forget which interview it was on what day, but I heard him say that, I think it was with Rachel, actually, during one of the breaks they put it on. and that, But actually he was saying, you know, I felt like everyone else sort of half struggled during COVID. Well, I didn't. I really thrived. And I thought, yeah, you know, you're right. You were brilliant in that period. That behind closed doors, he really shone. Mm. And I don't think it's quite true to say everyone did struggle because I think Selby won plenty in that period. Ronnie won a, a world title and what have you. But yeah, Judd really did thrive in those. And I'm not saying there's any particular reason for that. Of course, he can win in front of big crowds as well. He's proved that over the years. But yeah, he, he really, although we all, loathed that era in many ways. Um, he, he sort of, in a snooker sense, did, did sort of shine. And yeah, perhaps he hasn't quite put those regular wins on the board since. But listen, we hold those, these guys to such high standards. I know we do. And, you know, that you know, they're still doing very, very well. And it's the old Anthony Hamilton thing, Phil, on here. He just he said to us, he cannot do that. And, you know, he's shown that. But I also was quite impressed with Judd's attitude a little bit as well this week, actually, on interviews. He was sort of, I don't know, talking a good game. They all, they all should talk a good game, but he was really talking up his season. I liked his stuff about, you know, he, the wisdom he gains now. It's getting off to a fast start, which, again, is sort of right, really. I mean, we, we saw it a bit with Mark Allen last season, didn't we? I mean, you know, he, he had a very good season generally, but really it was his first half that was the real sort of star of the show. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, he, you know, he got to the early final, didn't he? The, the British, and then won in Northern Ireland again. And you get um, he, if Rod stops listening, he 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 will. You know, the broadcaster and our, and our friend Rod, he insists there's no such thing as momentum in sport. But he is a lone voice. Ninety nine percent of the rest of us do think there's momentum in sport, and I think you can carry that through the season, can't you? You know, and if you start well, well, okay, Judd didn't win this in the end, but even getting to the final, you know. Confidence is everything. And he, he sort of said, well, there have been times over the years where you start well and you never you never kind of get off that happy train type thing. And mm. uh, so I think he'll take a lot from this, is what I'm saying, in a very long-winded way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, if you, do, you don't have to call it momentum, but I don't think you can argue that things like form and confidence exist. Um, and they certainly do carry on from one tournament to the next. Mm. Um, so, yeah, the, the guys who go deep. Um, we'll be very much looking forward to getting back uh, back at the table as soon as possible, um, which, unfortunately, there's a little bit of a, a break for them um, again. Not too long, but, uh, yeah, now Barry will be relishing having a crack at uh, the British Open, I guess, is his next event because he won't be in Shanghai. Um, but, yeah, no, fi- as you say, he holds such high standards. Um, 
but but Judd will surely still be pleased with the run to the final. It's still a very good week. Um, you know, these guys have won so much, there will be disappointment. But, you know, it's a, it's a strong showing. It really is. Now, another great superstar of this sport, uh, Ronnie O'Sullivan, did give us some disappointing news indeed, didn't he, when he pulled out uh, for medical reasons on day one of the event before his match that was planned that day against Andy Hicks. So always a miss, no question. Not insurmountable by any means. We had a great tournament without Ronnie, but there's no doubt that, um, of course, he, he is still the biggest draw. So that was, you know, a shame and a real shame for the crowds there in Nuremberg, for sure. Uh, Luca Bussell, though, Phil, we saw for the first time uh, since he became world champion in the spring. We know he's had his world tour and uh, his big interviews we've done. We've enjoyed him we, we, with, 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 um, with WST, with Stephen Hendry. And now, finally, on the table, he beat Jackson Page 5-3. And that was always looked a nervy one for him, actually. I mean, you know, he, he could have had better players to play than Jackson Page, if you know what I mean. But he, he, he did get over the line. And we should say, Phil, on the, on the Luca note, his cue went missing. I, I can't remember who that happened before we were last today or not. But it's been found two weeks later. It went missing on a flight from Seattle to Frankfurt. But he's got it back. And that, and that is, you know... We know the old cliches, you know, extension of your arm and all that, but that'll be priceless news for him. <laughs> yeah, because he said that to Polly, Polly James on the WST interview that he'd lost it, an airline had lost it, and he was really sort of uh, very honest about how much it meant to him um, and how much he felt he would be disadvantaged by using his other cue, which he said was not up to much compared to the, the one that he won the world title with. Um and actually, he didn't have it back in time to play his matches in Nuremberg. So um, he, he managed to win three matches and then take the eventual champion to a deciding frame with it, with his uh, ropey second-choice cue. So he did all right, considering I don't think he's done much practice over the summer either. But yeah. oh, we all know he doesn't need any practice anyway. So, uh, yeah, no, but that's good news he got the cue back. Uh, even if he never used it again, just for sentimental value, you'd want to keep the cue that you won the world title with, I imagine. So, yeah, that is positive news. <laughs> Definitely. Well, it was a shame for Hussein Vafai, wasn't it? He he lost 5-0 to Alan Taylor, a result that made all of us sit up and take notice and say, goodness me, what happened there? Well, we later found out, didn't we, that Hossein had visa issues for that match. In fact, he only found out that he had a visa that could take him to Germany the day before the match. He went to London to pick it up and then flew out on the morning of the match, as I understand it, and went straight to the venue. So that's clearly not optimal. He's a kind of you know, uh, inspiring character that could still have done a job in those circumstances, but it's so much harder. We know that. That's obvious. So, real shame for him. And there's one other result from that first day I picked out. Michael Waite beating Jack Lazowski 5-4, so really good win for Michael. But, yeah, real shame for saying These things seem to happen, well, quite a lot at the moment, and uh, it, it was the worst kind of preparation for him, wasn't it? Yeah, that's such a nightmare. He's had all sorts of visa issues over the years. Um, they seem to have not been as bad as they used to be, certainly, because he couldn't even get on the tour for a while. Um, but yeah, that, that result obviously stood out. And uh, he let us know afterwards that that happened. It sounded like a yeah a real disaster. I think he got the email the day before. He travelled down like overnight. Um, so he hadn't slept as well. He'd been awake for sort of 30 odd hours by the time he got to Germany. Literally just got off the plane, got changed, got something to eat. And played his match, so yeah. Um, with the knowledge of what happened prior to the game, the result isn't quite so surprising. But um, but fair play to Alan Taylor, great win for him. Um, and yeah, just hopefully those visa issues can get sorted in the future. I don't know what I, I know very little about them to be honest. Um, but 
obviously Liu Hongyu had to pull out as well um, before he could after winning his qualifier. So that was a real shame as well. And obviously players shouldn't have to be playing in circumstances that Hussein had to there. So no idea what we could do. Would WC could help the guys out a bit more? Whatever. I don't know. But um, I, you wouldn't want this to be happening um, in major ranking events like this and in the second round of them as well. Um, I don't know why it feels worse that people have already won a match before you know they deserve they've earned their place there and then for it to be sort of thrown into chaos like that is really disappointing for them. Um, so yeah, hopefully, hopefully, won't happen again. Exactly, and they're going to go abroad more, more now again. You know, the, the tour's getting busier again in that sense. So, yeah, no, we really hope that's, you know, something that doesn't have to crop up for say or many of the players, you know, in, in, the, in the sort of months to come this season. Well, day two, what a result. Tep Chai on new beating Mark Allen 5 0. Breaks of 85, 92, 128, and 81 from Tep Chai. He is such an inspirational player, my goodness me. Someone asked me on, on, on Twitter, actually if I thought he would win a ranking event outside the shootout, which I think he's won in the, mm. in, the, in, the, in the ranking days. And all I said was, well, I hope so, because the guy's an unbelievable talent, frankly. Uh, Zach Shirty, I know, man, we both keep an eye on quite quite keenly. But yeah, beat Jiang Jun 5-4 from 4-0 down, Phil. Mm. That was a hell of a win. Breaks of 73 and 51 in the last two frames to win it. Uh, same outcome as the world final nearly a quarter of a century ago, with Mark Williams beating Matthew Stevens 5-3. And Ashley Hugill beating Ali Carter 5-4, another result I noted down from that day. So we, we saw plenty of terrific action as, as as we sort of eased our way into the tournament. But I think Tep Chai has got to be the headline story. He just blitzed Mark Allen off the table. He's a good one for being sporting, isn't he, Mark? He's like, I mean, OK, maybe you could argue no one could really do much in that situation. But I think he made a joke about WST finding a good photo of him and it was in the <laughs> entrance arena. And that was about it, you know, because he just was, yeah. Just had to be a, a bystander, probably impressed by the standard, even though it was painful, I'm sure. Tep Chire, just brilliant. Yeah, I mean, in four of the five frames, Mark didn't score a point, which can't happen very often to a player like him. He scored 17 points in one frame. That was his, that was his total. Um, and yeah, Tep Chire can, um, can do that. Break, I've got breaks here, 85, 92, 1 to 8, 81. Um, the one close frame was the one Mark scored 17 points in. So, yeah. Um, yeah, he's one of those players that on his day, he's as good as anyone almost, um, free-flowing. Um, and it, yeah, it's one of those where it's remarkable he hasn't won anything bigger than the shootout because, because as I say, he looks absolutely immense when he's playing well. Um, and yeah, I don't know, will he? I mean, he's he, he's always older than you think he is, isn't he? <laughs> um, it's sort of, he's, yeah. Maybe it's the way he plays and maybe it's because he, he hasn't, you still sort of feel like, he plays a very young person's game, doesn't he? Free flowing and attacking, and it feels like something that still could mature. But yeah, he's thirty eight, so uh, um, he's still got plenty of time, obviously, at that age. But um, we'll see. You can never be too sure. But um, yeah, that was a, that was a remarkable performance. Um, and the other one, I don't know if you mentioned Neil Robertson losing to Wu Yizer in the first round. Did that come up yet? Um, in the repeat of their World Championship first round game, which uh, Neil won, was playing brilliantly in that. Um, so uh, a dose of revenge on a smaller stage for Willie Zibber. A great result for the for the youngster there. Excellent. Yeah, he's some player, actually. And as you said, he, he didn't really do that much wrong in, in that World Championship match. And he was just sort of next level brilliant. But yeah, no, he's... um That looks a real banana skin. He hasn't... I mean, he, 
as with a lot of these guys, you're always a bit wary of saying too much because he'll go and win the next one and win it handsomely. But Neil hasn't quite been himself, has he, for some time now? And, I, and I, the old thing about holding these guys to standards. But, you know, we head into the autumn and he hasn't put his win on the board yet for this season, that incredible run. So he, 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 he'll so, you know, say Neil Orson has a point to prove. But I think these guys always do feel like, to some extent, they have a point to prove. And I think he'll want sort of better better times to come, won't he? Absolutely, yeah. Um, I think he's one that is very sort of... If, if he feels like he's playing well in practice, that's that seems to be enough for him. Um, like Sometimes he'll come into tournaments and he hasn't done much uh, in tournaments recently, but he'll be like, oh, don't worry, I'm playing absolutely amazing. Because <laughs> he's sort of quite confident about it. So, I remember him yeah. saying that. Uh, <laughs> was it the English Open? Um <laughs> I mean, early on, it was after he won a first round game against someone quite low ranked, and he was like, "Oh no, I'm playing unbelievably well." And I was like, "Well, cool," um, but he's not hasn't been winning many matches. But I think he then won the tournament, so he's not <laughs> wrong when he says it. Um, um, so yeah, it would be no surprise at any point if he wins any tournament. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, that was I think that was his only match so far this season, isn't it? Um, he didn't play the Championship League, so uh, so yeah, he, he'll need to. Get some wins going soon, and yeah, that that amazing run that dates back so long in terms of winning events needs uh, he needs to get it on the board. He's fast running out of time by the end of the year. I'm chuckling to myself. I'm chuckling to myself because I love Neil's way of talking. He's so sort of <laughs> mat- we said it before, I'm sure, but he's sort of matter of fact about his own brilliance, isn't he? Which is <laughs> every reason to be really because he is so brilliant. But he, he, he will tell you, and I love it. He's, he's sometimes not even showing off. He's just being classic Neil. He's just sort of saying, "Yeah, and I'm, I've just won that, and I, I play really well. I'm really good," you know. <laughs> so <I'm> like, yeah. <laughs> that's a lovely, I love that. But uh, well, we should move on to d- day three. What a game! this was I mean god what a match um I said what a match I didn't see it but I I, I saw enough of it and, and I certainly followed followed it through various learned uh friends and colleagues and Judd Trump I mean beating Chris Wakelin 5-4 and 4-0 down I mean it sounded like Wakelin obviously had chances to to win it was so close to doing so and I, I think I messaged you actually and just said you know I really hope that doesn't set Wakelin back it, it might not because he might just, and sometimes he doesn't actually, when people have defeats, you think they're going to, and they don't. Can I take that philosophical one of, oh, well, I'm still playing really well. I, I went falling up against Judd for heaven's sake. But, you know, it, it might take him a, a wee while because that, that's a really painful one. I mean, Judd mentioned it after his interview after the final last night, that, you know, he he should have lost that match. He, he was he was down and out. I've also got Phil Yates in my head. I mean, haven't we all, Phil? But it, 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 he often says, you know, that we see a lot of best of sevens now, and actually three nil down, winning four three is fairly commonish. I mean, it's Halley's Comet five nil down and winning six five. That's how rare that is. This happens a fair bit. I think we had a couple in this actually, didn't we? Um, we mentioned one earlier. It does happen, but and we know intervals change matches and all that, and they clearly do. Had there been no interval, I'm sure Wakeley probably would have won. But mm. that's the way it goes. It was. Um, yeah, just a, a, a rotten one for him, really, in, in every way. Should mention there were a few scoreboard issues du- during the tournament, and there was a delay of nearly an hour in the Mark Selby Anthony Hamilton match that day. Uh, Selby won that five one, and Jimmy Robertson beat Mark Williams five four. I don't think Mark was particularly happy with the conditions from what from what he was saying on. on I was reading on Twitter, but um, 
yeah, the big story has to be there. Uh, Trump and Wakelin, hell of a match and a painful one for Wakelin. Yeah, I mean, Judd obviously played really well in that second half. He made breaks in every frame. We've got him here, 92, 69, 57, 59, and won it with 100. Um, so he obviously turned on the style, but, but Chris did get chances in uh, two or three, maybe even four of those frames. So, um, yeah, that's that's going to sting, isn't it? Obviously, it goes without saying, because if you beat Judd Trump to get to the last 16, you know, he would have maybe started thinking it could be another amazing week for him there. Um, but yeah, hopefully he'll be looking on the positive side. Um, certainly had Judge Trump very much on the ropes, which is more than uh, a lot of people could say uh, in professional matches. Um, but yeah, yeah, you mentioned a couple of issues there. They, they were bad. Um, live scoring still wasn't great early in the tournament for people following at home. The scoring in the arena um, wasn't always working yet. Um, and yeah, it was that match. So it didn't start for ages and then it was not working all the way through the game as well because um, Selby, I remember watching bits of it and Selby was asking the referee what the scores were because they weren't being shown and it's just bad stuff really, isn't it? And uh, yeah, I'm not sure what Mark's problem with the conditions were. I know a lot of people say it was very, very hot, um, which Mm. makes it very difficult at times. So uh, I don't know if there's anything that could be done about that. Sometimes you just get trickier conditions than other times, don't you? So certainly not blaming anyone for that necessarily. Um, But Probably I'm blaming someone for the scoring stuff. That's pretty poor, poor stuff, isn't it? Really. So uh, hopefully that won't happen again. Actually, yeah, that, that, that we've got a couple of bits of correspondence later. I think why there's not two people mention how boiling it was over there. Mm. Real score. It wasn't far from 100 Fahrenheit. I think some days. Wow. Um, so yeah, absolutely scorching uh, hot summer the, 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 right at the moment in in that part of Germany. Um, yeah, I mean, I haven't really done one for the teenagers yet, Phil, but um, maybe time to do to do so. It's like being on Critton Factor with Gordon Burns these days, trying to work out how to follow the snooker. If it's not the scores, it's, you know, the, getting the right channel. I have to admit, I watched some of the final without without commentary, and it's not so bad, really, but I just, I just I didn't have the heart to ask anybody on social media, what I was doing wrong. I, I did see some mention of ambient sound at some stage. I thought, oh, that that never that, that never used to be an issue in the 80s, ambient sound. But um, Yeah, no, that was a weird one. I had that as well. I think it seemed to be when I went on Discovery Plus on my phone that ambient sound was the like the go-to setting. That was like the default, which I think is strange. They have to turn turn commentary on rather than off. Yeah. Seems a bit odd to me. But, yeah, that I fell into that trap as well for a bit. Well, I'll tell you how I, how I follow it now, which is not particularly interesting, but it might be relevant. I don't know. I, I realise that I can, I get, you know how we all have a million streaming things now? I so I know I do, but I, I've Amazon Prime's one of mine, and I've realised you can watch Discovery through there. They have all the Eurosport mm. Discovery stuff. But I thought for right now, Discovery's a very good service, but I thought, well, if I'm paying through Amazon, which I generally do for football and other things and sport and rugby and other things, then, I, you know, a bit of a mugs game to to double up in this case, I watch it through there. Yeah, but most of the time it was fine. Yeah, but I did have that lack of commentary issue. So, and I couldn't find a way to to to, to change it. So, it, I think what it amounts to is it's it's a more complicated television television watching era, isn't it? Mm. And we're very lucky to watch all these tournaments. My goodness me! But yeah, there are a few sort of um, you know seems to be more teething issues than there, there perhaps used to be. But yeah, the lowest scoring. I mean. There were times it was okay, no, no, no doubt. But yeah, some of the time it was. I mean, one of the Luca matches was nil-nil. I think even at the end, pretty much, it just never worked. 
And we know it's temporary, but, you know, and, and I'm sure come November, touch wood, touching my table here, it'll be great with a new system, but it's a bit mix and match and hope for the best at the moment, isn't it? I mean, we're just, and, and hope for the best often means the worst. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I know this is obviously a big, it's been a big point of discussion over the last couple of months. Um, but, and, you know, I guess issues can get done to death a bit, but it's not asking for much, is it, really? And to know what the scores are in matches, um, I think it's pretty, it's pretty bad uh, that it's not working. And as even a temporary, I understand that they're getting the new uh, uh, one that should be really good in November, um, but you can just find one that works for a bit. I don't, like, I don't know anything about how that works, but it's really, I don't think it's asking for much to be able to know what the scores of matches are while they happen. And even even sort of the frames afterwards, I've got snooker.org up for a lot of the ones um, over last week, and you click on the little score sheet, and so, some of them have got all the frame scores then, some of them haven't. And, yeah, I guess, I don't know, there's something just wrong with the system that's logging it all, but... Um, yeah, no, it's it's not great. Um, and it, it was better than it was in the previous tournament, wasn't it? So it's getting there, but um, should be better. Yeah, I, I should probably make a note of, of, of specifics here, but I know for sure there are far smaller sporting events and far smaller quote-unquote sports with websites that have perfectly functioning live scoring for, for events that are far smaller than Snooker's European Masters. And yeah. they work. They well, work fine. So the, the one that WPVSE use for Q Tour seems to be better. So I don't know why that why that can't be used. But yeah, but it must be contract issues. But yeah, it's it's frustrating when it's not working properly. It is, and uh, we move on to the last sixteen. Now we're getting towards the business end. These are the results from that stage. Then uh, Judd Trump beat Ben Williston five nil. It was Kyron Wilson five, Dwayne Jones nil, John Higgins five, Sean Murphy two. Uh, Ashley Carty, five, Ricky Warden, three. That's a top win for Carty and a first-ranking event quarterfinal for him, so a really big deal there. Lou Haushan, five, David Gilbert, one. Mark Selby, five, Ashley Hugill, two. Uh, then two deciders, Nopon Sankam beating Jimmy Robertson, five, four, and Barry Hawkins beating Luca Purcell, five, four. Now, Luca was very close to being world number one, wasn't he? I think, was it what, one more win after that would have done the job? I mean, he was that close, but Ronnie is still there for now. But um, that was, yeah, a really good win for Barry, obviously on the way to winning the title. But for Ashley Carter, you know, he's he's um, he's been a long time trying, actually, you know, to to get to that a rarefied stage like that. And uh, but bringing a bringing a top old player like Ricky Walden is uh, a real feather in his cap, as was the week generally. Yeah, I spoke to Ashley actually when because he got back on. He was on tour and then dropped off and then got back on through the Q tour. Uh, and I spoke to him a, a few months ago about getting back on. Um, and he sounded very confident, positive and uh, in a good place and everything. He started the season really well. Uh, he, he won through his first Championship League group, um, beat O'Donnell to qualify for the European Masters. And then um, it's three good wins, actually, because he beat, he beat Joe O'Connor. Then after Tep Joe beat Mark Allen 5 0, uh, Carty then beat Tep Joe 5 1. Which is remarkable, really. That shows how I suppose you know we're talking about why Tipshire hasn't won stuff. Um, he's uh, hot and cold a bit, I think that's fair to say. Yeah. Uh, and then to beat Ricky Walden five three, it's great stuff. Uh, he's qualified for the British Open as well. Beat Jackson Page as a qualifier there. So yeah, really, really encouraging start of the season for him. So 
Um, well done to him. Um, that was probably the biggest shock there. I mean, I watched a bit of Liu Hasham beating Dave Gilbert 5 1. Uh, he was very impressive. Um, I don't. I guess by that point, Luca losing to Barry wasn't much of a shock, really. I think he got through looking, um, looking sort of okay. Um, I can't remember who was on commentary when he beat Robbie Williams in the decider in the previous round, but he said they'd have to play a lot better to get past Barry Hawkins. Um, and he, he didn't. He still. I mean, he took it to the decider, but they didn't quite manage it. But um, yeah, I don't. And Luca himself said on the WS interview that he wasn't really expecting much from. Uh, the week in Nuremberg, given how much he'd practiced and without his main cue. Um, so yeah. I think he'd have been pretty happy with the last 16 run, really, I'd, I'd say. Exactly what I was thinking now. I think he'd have taken that couple of wins, always seemed to always on the main table, always on telly, quite rightly high profile as he's now the world champion, did well, sort of scrapped through without playing absolutely brilliantly and then, you know, Came on stuck in the decider against the eventual tournament winner and one of the top players in the game. So yeah, he'll he, he would take he'd want to win every tournament, but yeah, he'd take that, I would say. Uh, on to the last eight then. And uh Rashley Carty's run did come to an end, beating five one by Judd Trump. Uh the match I saw actually at that stage, John Higgins five, Kyron Wilson uh, three, really good, actually. And uh well the one thing that was good about that was that Higgins got Higgins. It was an it was a hell of a frame. I think Kyron needed a snooker, he was Miles behind, came back to win it by a point. He thought well, that that might affect John. Of course, it didn't. He just came back. The next train made a really good break and eventually won five three. Real quality encounter that actually. And then uh, Barry Hawkins beat Nopon Sankham five two, and Mark Selby beat Lou Housham five two. So that was a real stage of the favourites st- starting to sort of um, put their foot down a bit. Phil, it's what we say so often. It's almost become a cliche of, of this podcast and maybe snooker in general that. There are plenty of shocks, plenty of surprises, yet most of the time there are so many good players that still, when it comes to the quarters and then particularly the semis, it's a sort of creme de la creme type thing. It's still most of the top players getting through to those latter stages. Yeah, yeah, nearly always. I think, you know, the random draw at the British Open seems to have chucked that into a bit of chaos, but it's still big names ish at the end. Yeah, but yeah, most of the tournaments, yeah, you're getting the elite guys getting through. And yeah, at that point, Higgins was looking very shy. He looked great in a, beating Sean Murphy in the previous round and they looked really good beating Kyron. Um, yeah, two very impressive wins. Um, and yeah, that, that really set up a real blockbuster semi-final lineup, really, because they were all looking great. Um, but after that scare against Wakelin, it looked like he was playing really well to beat Wilson 5 0. Um, obviously, he would have been a big favourite against Ashley Carty, but Carty was full of confidence there. Um, yeah, and any tournament from the, the smallest on the calendar to the World Championship, if you get in a semi final lineup of Trump, Higgins, Hawkins, and Selby, you're pretty happy with that, aren't you? You are, and they both delivered those semis. I mean, sometimes they don't when you're expecting so much from the these sort of semi final Saturdays, but this was a an absolute cracker. I watched most of it, actually. It was, a, it was a really good day of sports Saturday. Proper square eyes from me. A bit under the weather, actually. So I was at home and flicking around watching so much stuff. And, and that involved watching nearly all the snooker. Higgins uh, 3-0 up, actually, in his semi-final against Judd Trump. And then later 5-4 ahead, but couldn't seal the deal. And, you know, it was a really good match. Match full of fine breaks. Trump with a, a 73 and the decider to win it. And I've seen a few people say, oh, yeah, it's definitely a sort of mental thing with, with John. He really struggles. 
And I think it's probably time to agree with that, really, if it wasn't before. I think that there's definitely something in it. And so it should happen, really. I mean, it, I don't know, would it be to a lesser extent or maybe a similar extent? It's happened to Mark Williams. He's lost plenty of deciders. You know, maybe it's not talked about as much as Higgins. It's probably been fewer finals than John's been in, frankly. But it's happened to Mark as well. It hasn't really happened to Ronnie. It has a bit, but not really. But, you know, you'd think that that would be one of the things to go, you know, a little bit as you get older. You know, that ability to just get over the line. But it's a shame because he's playing so, so well, John. He's, and I was thinking, because uh, I was having a look up at his recent tournament record, it's two and a half years now since that famous uh, Players' Championship, February mm-hmm. 21. And I just think, I know he's won Championship League, isn't he? He's, he's done other stuff. But mm-hmm. in terms of rank, ranking events, how many snooker matches has that man won in the last two and a half years? It's, a, it's outrageous. If you think about how many semis and finals he's reached, uh, you know, there, there are guys that have won a fraction of those and won tournaments, probably plural tournaments. And yet, I mean, it's the way it goes, but I was just thinking he has won a mountain of matches in the last two and a half years without trophy reward. It's one of those things. There's lots of good players around, but it it feels just as a lover of the game, like a shame. He's not really getting the silverware. It, you know, his, his brilliance is quite merited. Um, but again, it's a good run. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And that's why I guess it goes back to what we were saying earlier about the sort of standards we hold them to and they hold themselves to because he will have seen sort of the last few years as not great um, because he hasn't won tournaments. But um, as you say, it, there can't be many, if any, who've won more games than him or more frames than him because um, even the games he loses, he <laughs> tends to get as many yeah. frames as he can without winning. Um, yeah. As I said, looked great in beating Murphy and Kyron. Um, still absolutely one of the very best players in the world. Um, but just isn't quite getting the satisfaction of going home with the silverware. But, um, yeah, I mean, if he plays anything like he did this week on any sort of consistent basis, then, you know, when he was talking to us about worrying about dropping out 16, that's not going to happen because he's still comfortably good enough to um, to go very deep in, in tournaments, even if, yeah, it's just a little bit of confidence, isn't it? And it's so, it's so weird to think that someone like John Higgins could lack a bit of confidence uh, when it got close against another top player. But that just seemed to be what's happened a bit. Um, but, you know, that can, that can also click back into gear quite easily because that could be one big win uh, and that's that pro- that's problem solved for a bit at least. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, considering he had a quiet kind of summer and that was uh, first big tournament back, um, he played a couple of qualifiers actually, didn't he? But... Um, and he obviously hadn't had loads of snooker. He said on here that he'd been struggling to um, get the motivation of the practice and stuff. Um, so to get to the semi-final, push Trump, Trump to a decider. Again, it's like we were saying about Trump in the final. There, there will be disappointment. But I think maybe if you'd offered him that at the start of the week, he might not have been too disappointed. Yep, yep. Good, nice way of saying it. And the other semi as well was very good. Very good. Barry Hawkins, six, Mark Selby, four. I mean, Selby was did some top Selbying throughout, doesn't he always? Great McManus line. I put it on Twitter. I, I meant to write yeah. it down. Something like, it gets you into problems that Einstein would struggle with. It, it, it was words like that effect. It was, it was pure yeah. McManus. But 
Yeah, that was that was uh, you know towards the end as Selby was leaving fiendish snooker after fiendish snooker. Well, this was nip and tuck all the way. The ninth frame was massive, and it's one of those that I referenced earlier, where Hawkins was miles off the pace, miles behind, won it. In fact, Selby was first in with the fifty nine. Looked for all money like going five four, but Hawkins pinched it with a sixty six. It was brilliant stuff. I'm pretty sure it was Philip Stud on commentary that night he was really waxing lyrical saying this is just great stuff you know and he won the next one as well and and he he had that steel I think I tweeted it maybe at that stage there was such a steel about him that that hasn't quite been for some time actually or not in a permanent consistent way as he was showing there was always that nagging thing can this carry on to the final but I think we all hoped it would it did obviously and he went on to win the title but yeah another another really good semi and that Saturday was just Full of quality, Phil. Full of good breaks. Full of great play. Top players in the game, entertaining us. Just reminding us just what a a wonderful game this is to watch when it's at its best, eh? Yeah, definitely. And uh, yeah, Selby was playing great. I think uh, Barry said that in his sort of post match that it's, it's, there's not much a sweeter win than to beat Mark Selby when he's playing well. Uh, you know, obviously every player goes up and down in form, and you can pounce on them when they're not at their best, but. To know someone like Mark Selby is actually near the top of his game and to beat him uh, was very rewarding for, for Barry, as he said afterwards. Uh, you know, Mark kicked that game off with a 1-3-4 in the opening frame. So uh, yeah. there's the proof that he was playing well. Um, so, yeah, no, that was that was a great day of snooker. Uh, two really good semis. Um, it's not often we're treated to back-to-back uh, real beats like that. So uh, that was uh, one to enjoy. And... But yeah, it was probably more enjoyable in the final that day of action. Uh, but often the way the finals, the finals not often the, the best match of the tournament. But it wasn't a bad one. I'm not criticising it there. It was okay. But uh, yeah, I think the semi-finals stole the show a bit. Yeah, that's fair. I think to say if you look at it across the weekend. But yeah, the final certainly had its moments. It was, you know, kept being intriguing as we said earlier, and it got to seven six. But uh, Barry Hawkins then played two really good frames. And uh, won the title, beating Trump 9-6 in the final. We say congratulations to Barry. It's a fourth ranking event success for him. I'm sure there's uh, still scope for more to come, particularly if he carries on playing like this in the uh, in the coming months. We should say you are listening here to Talking Snooker with Phil Haig and Nick Metcalf. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we were reflecting, Phil, on a really enjoyable European Masters. And we've had some correspondence, haven't we? And shall I let you kick off with Vauxhall Viceroy, if you have it there? He's a, one of, one of our, our our listeners that has been lucky enough to be at the tournament. 
Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Um, Nuremberg is a fantastic city to visit, and the U-Bahn to the venue works like a dream. No sound of the snooker being on around the city, but good, knowledgeable German crowds all the same. Would recommend a trip here. Bring the other half slash non-snooker friend too. Plenty to see, I think, especially if you like history and picture-perfect old towns. Great beer, good bratwursts, like Prague, only mainly German tourists. Reasonably priced, clean and feel safe. 32 degrees C, though. Not typical snooker weather, but we'll work on the vitamin D levels before the autumn back home. So, yeah, lovely review of the place there from Vauxhall Viceroy. Never been to Nuremberg myself. Have you, have you ever had the pleasure? I haven't. I've been to Munich plenty of times, which you know is is, is, is down the road, about 100 miles away. And that's sort of down the road, isn't it, Phil, in Bavaria? <laughs> I love that. I haven't, but I'll tell you what, I saw our, our World Snooker Tour colleagues, uh, from the media team, I saw various photographs of some of the players and little videos. It looks an absolute cracker. Just what Vauxhall Viceroy says here. It looks like it sounds like a smashing place. And, you know, but the, the old trying to think what my, my old dad would say, double it and add 30, which I don't think is, is absolutely foolproof. I don't, I don't think it's the sort of thing the scientists go for, but that's just about gets you Fahrenheit. So right. on that, that's 64 plus the 94. So there we are. That's, um, yeah, that's not typical anything weather as far as I'm concerned. That's, that's ho- ho- sort of horrible, really. But then again, we don't, yeah. this is sort of from a British point of view. Uh, I know we go, we go on sort of weather watch here, the weather channel suddenly. It, <laughs> you don't always have the humidity. It's the humidity that's so awful in this country. So that was an awful wet, damp heat type thing. So it might not have been like that. But anyway, I did hear some great things. I heard some really nice things about the venue generally, so we do thank you for that, uh, Vauxhall Viceroy. And we have similar views from Daniel Puddicombe here, who is um, I'd almost, I almost well, I think we give friend friend of the podcast moniker to those that have been on here, but he's contacted us so much, so he's um maybe a strong acquaintance of the podcast. <laughs> let, let's say that. And uh, you're very nearly a friend of the podcast, Daniel. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm over the moon for Barry. I love watching snooker in Germany again. There's polite applause, a great atmosphere, and phones don't go off. Snooker for the connoisseur. The Nuremberg venue is nice, and the city is lovely, and tickets are cheap. What's not to like? Well, you were there, and I wasn't, so you're, you've got a your view is is worth significantly more. But I have to say, there were a couple of phones going off, although the commentators, when I and I didn't watch it all, oh, it might have been more than two, but uh, a couple, but. The contact did make a point to say, "Ah, oh, that's unusual in Germany." So they, they, they did that. So it, it's rare. Put it that way: it's far rarer than you get here. There's a real kind of, uh, I don't know. There's a, there's a a dignity. Would you call it about that? They're, they're very dignified crowds. I think in Germany, there's a great respect for the game. There's and a, a great atmosphere really came over. I think particularly in the final when it was really full in there. That was a real sort of din. And the acoustics sounded good, even on television, which I loved. And uh, no, we thank you for that, Daniel. And we're glad you had a good time. And then another strong acquaintance of the podcast. <laughs> Next, Phil. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Joe Gibney here. An excellent week. I sometimes have a Basil Faulty attitude from the Gourmet Night episode to another runny withdrawal. There's a nice reference from left field. Now, I bet you understand that. That's, that's gone over my head, that one. That might be for you, Nick. Uh, I, de- I but- definitely understand it. But you know what? 50 years ago, I mean, that's, you know, that's, yeah, but that's, I'd say most of mine are about 40, because I'll go back to the 80s, so <laughs> this is, this is from the 70s, so it does go back even further, you know, yeah, one, yeah, 
This is Matthew, Mark, Luke and John stuff, really. A long, long time ago, so <laughs> carry on. Um, but I hope he's OK, Ronnie, that is. Uh, we're in for a treat this season if the players' form continues. But bring your own scoreboard. Yeah, he's right there. You yeah. can't rely on the ones in the venue. Um, but yeah, it's always disappointing with Ronnie with drawing, isn't it? Um, I did... Uh, I think the European events, he very rarely plays in. And so you see his name in the draw and you can still be pretty sceptical as to why, whether he's going to play. But when it literally got to the morning the tournament started, I was thinking, oh, well, we're in, looking in pretty good shape here for a runny appearance. And then and then he was out. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I've not been working. I've been on holiday. So uh, I've not dug into what the medical reasons were. So, um, yes, I agree with Joe. I hope he's OK. And they were nothing serious at all. Absolutely. We miss Ronnie, but as I think, it's a drum I bang and I encourage others to bang if they wish to do so, which is that snooker life without Ronnie is very good. Thank you very much. You know, Ronnie is the best player still probably pound for pound in the game, I would say. And, and you know, the one that, you know, sets the pulse racing more, more than any other. No question. It'd be foolish to say otherwise. But there's plenty of other great stars. We have great weeks and tournaments without Ronnie. And that will continue to be the case when Ronnie retires. Very important to say that, I think, although we'll miss him profoundly when he does retire. But there's there's snooker, plenty of snooker life you know, in, in the future. There will always be new stars that will emerge. Uh, that's the way sport works. And, well, I just must say congratulations from me, from us, to everyone involved with the organising of the tournament. No mean feat to pull off a, an event as successful as that. Really enjoyable to watch uh, from afar for most of us. For those that went, they report brilliant things. So, um, yeah, really kicked off the the sort of knockout tournament uh, run this season in, in, in lovely fashion. And another sort of feather in Germany's cap. They always seem to put on good show. But in fact, I can tell you from going to sporting events in Germany, uh, I still say, and I've been to more sporting events than I can ever sort of recount on here. The 06 World Cup football is, is pound for pound the best thing I've ever attended. Oh, just wow. just, uh, just for everything, Phil. Just for, I mean, you know, I love trains, rattlers, marvellous trains, punctual, brilliant, beautiful, efficient, beautiful weather all the time. I mean, you can't control the weather, but it was sunny every day, boiling every day. Stadium's amazing. City's amazing. I can't bear those fan parks thing or fan miles. <laughs> even, even they were good. Even <laughs> they were good. They were... Great food, great drink. Germany puts on brilliant sport. I no doubt it will do the same for the Euros next year. In fact, I went to NFL in Munich last autumn, and that was the best thing I saw pretty much last year. And I went to the World Cup last year. That was amazing. You know, the atmosphere there and just so Germany puts on sporting events and events generally, whatever they do really well. You know, so you know, thank God we're on that train in you know in snooker because they do they, they do this sport and the events here just as well as they do everything else. So Really good. I don't know if you've got anything much more to say about it, Phil. We're just very praiseworthy, aren't we? Maybe not of the some of the semantics involved with it, with the scoring. I know we struggle with, but good play, nice sort of surprises along the way. Really good tournament winner. Good, good, good standard, really. You know, as we mm. often say, you know, early in the season, players finding their feet a bit still. Some of them haven't played at all. Some of them didn't even play in the Championship League. But good standard, all bodes well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean the live scoring was one complaint, but overall, great tournament. Um, yeah, all that stuff about the crowd is good. Um, a lovely standing ovation at the end for Barry. That was just a nice wholesome scene at the end there. And yeah, the, the venue looked good. The reviews, of the venue were good. So 
yeah, hopefully this can be a new uh, a new regular on on the scene. Um, you mentioned actually the media guys in World Snookers. Shout out to Roddy Bissett who is doing all the videos uh, around the tournament and around the city, um, around the arena. Sorry, um, I thought he was really good at that. He is really good at that stuff. So uh, well done to him. I was actually talking to him today because he's been uh, hit by the the problems with the airlines today. With the, is it the air traffic control? Oh, so he's been. Yeah. He's been stuck trying to fly home, um, so hopefully he gets home safe eventually, whenever that is. Um, but yeah, no, great tournament overall. Um, it's never one of the the top, top, top level tournaments on the on the calendar, but I think it is growing and getting more of a. I guess I mean it's been around for ages, but it's been in a few different forms, hasn't it? I think one of these early, uh, if it sort of keeps this early season. Um, the first sort of proper knockout where everyone's playing, um, then that's a, that's a really nice place to be for a tournament, really. So hopefully, can continue to grow in stature. And uh, yeah, this has been a really good one uh, in in its history of the European Masters. Um, I'll tell you one story. My World Cup '06 experience was um, that was the year I finished school, and we went off interrailing with uh, I think there was eight of us did a month interrailing around Europe and. Without planning this, this was just complete fluke. We were in Nice in France for France winning their semi-final. So that was a big party there. And then we were in Rome at the Circus Maximus watching Italy win the World Cup final. Oh, wow. So that was pretty fun. Um, we were big Italy fans for the day. Um, so, yeah, I wasn't in Germany for it, but I was in, I was in the, possibly the best place you could be for it. It was amazing. That must have been special. That was a hell of a night, wasn't it? That was the the, the Zidane headbutt, wasn't it? And yeah, yeah, all kinds of drama. And Italy winning the yeah, exactly. Oh, that, that yeah, must it was a complete complete fluke of there was no scheduling. We just happened to be there, so very lucky. Wonderful. That sounds like a, you had a brilliant time. Yeah, interrail is a great thing, isn't it? Marvelous. All those trains. Goodness me. Yeah, and um, yeah, few people actually went down to not just this tournament, but you mentioned in the. Uh, Issues with the air transport today reminds me that various colleagues and friends of mine are having those issues coming back from Budapest, where we just had the World mm. Athletics Championship. But plenty, well, not plenty, but quite a few I know went down by train to that. A fair few of the snooker fans I know, not that I knew loads that went over from here to Nuremberg, but the few I did, quite a few of them did it by train. I think it was very accessible. That that sort of Central Europe bracket, uh, Germany, Austria, you know, Czech Republic. It's wonderful by trains, actually. Hungary as well, I'd say, perhaps would, would go into that far. You could just go from, you know, quite big distances, you know, in sort of like three or four hours on great trains. So, you know, that, that was a good way of doing it as well. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it just seemed like a, you know, really nice tournament. You know, really hot over there. People saying they really enjoyed the history and the culture of the place. So hats off to all concerned. We really enjoyed it. And as I say, it's an amuse-bouche. I'll get it right this time, Phil for some of the big events to come. Well, let's maybe move on now. And, um, well, since we were last on there, we had British Open qualifiers, which I know you've been looking at. And, uh, well, an event that's almost as rare as Halley's Comet, Stephen Hendry playing snooker. <laughs> he did, yeah. Um, not sure why he, he picked this one to play in. Um, I did watch some of that match. Um wasn't a classic really against Mohamed Asif. Uh, Mohamed Asif won four two. Um, actually, Hendry started really well, made a seventy odd in the first frame, and 
I mean, they didn't have an average shot time, I don't think, when, when he was sort of at his pomp. But he, he, when when he is sort of does find a bit of rhythm, he, he just jogs around the table, it seems, he just floats around, knocking him in. He, and when he gets it, he looks great, but then it sort of just it slides away and the rest of it was a bit painful. And, uh, yeah, just another one of these matches where you just wonder, like, you know, I, I agree with people who say he's got the right to do what he wants because it's Stephen Hendry, but I, I don't fully understand why he wants to do that. <laughs> um, it can't be much fun um, playing like that um, in behind closed doors in a qualifier. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I, I I agree that he can do what he wants, but um, I don't get why he, this is what he wants to do at the minute, really. Um, but yeah, there were there weren't loads of big shocks, really. The British Open qualifiers. There were some notable results I've noted down. Um, I think we spoke on it was a couple of weeks ago. We spoke, but um, we said how Sanderson Lamb had done that interview with Will Snooker because he'd had a really good start of the season um, and he felt like he was ready to step up to the next level. And we said he's playing Joe Perry in the in the British Open qualifiers, so that's a great test for how well he's doing. And he passed it one four two. So yeah, continually good work from the man from the Northern Snooker Centre. Um, and yeah, the, uh, this is weird because he was doing it uh, previously, but yeah, Jack, Zach Shorty's also had a very good start to the season, beating Michael White four two, and Daniel Wells beating Jordan Brown four three. I watched a bit of that. That was a good one. Um, and I did um, I did a few interviews with people who I thought I'd had notably good results. Um, so if you haven't read any of these, then keep an eye out on Metro or my Twitter or wherever. Um, Robbie Williams beat Pangjian Zhu 4-0, uh, which was very impressive. And then he drew him at the European Masters the following week and beat him there 5-1 as well. So, um, I mean, I rate Pang really highly. So really good stuff from Robbie Williams, who uh, is a good player, um, but doesn't often sort of... I don't know, make many headlines. Um, but yeah, spoke to him after that. Nice man. Um, and he's feeling good about the season, obviously, getting some good results already. Um, Oliver Brown, I spoke to. He beat Himanshu Jane 4 3. He's a good start. Didn't get many wins last season when he got on tour, um, but had uh, started this season well. Uh, Liam Graham got his first win on tour. Um, I spoke to him at the start of the season and uh, I was pleased to speak, him, speak to him again after he beat Kao Yupeng 4 3 in that. Which I thought it was a great first win to get on the board because uh, Cow's brilliant, obviously. Um, and yeah, if you've not seen that interview with Liam, um, he, he's he's only what is he seventeen, eighteen? Um, and he, he's just he's a great talker. He'll he'll be interviewed by people a lot over his career, I think, because he just comes out with some really good lines. He's really interesting, really funny. Um, so would recommend that. And as always, any excuse to ring up Anthony Hamilton, he'd be Aaron Hill four one. Um, <laughs> And uh, had a nice chat with him. Who said he's probably he's probably got three years left. He reckons fifty five is when he plans to retire, whether he's on tour or not. Uh, that'll be when he, the minute that's his plan of when to retire. So three more years left of the sheriff. So enjoy him while he's still around. Well, I think he said to you in a way he couldn't wait. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which you get, don't you? Of course you do. He's played for so, so long. And, you know, I don't know if he's... It strikes me he might be one of those that doesn't pick up his cue too much after that, if you know what I mean. I don't know if he'll be a big seniors tour player. Maybe not. No, not at all. No, he said he wouldn't play at all. Um, (laughs) It'll be done, yeah. I think he still really enjoys playing the matches. Um, But it was interesting him saying about his style of play because he is sort of... 
his average shot time is very high now. He spends his matches do take a long time, and he knows he's 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 painfully aware. I mean, literally painfully aware. Um, how uh, how his how his game has changed over the years, but you know he's in he's in a lot of pain. He's got a lot of injuries. He just his eyes are <laughs> in a bad old way. He does what he has to do to win, and that that's it. Um, and he's still getting a lot of wins, so fair play to him. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway, if you haven't seen that interview, then give it a read. Always fascinating insight from uh, from the veteran. <laughs> no, he really is. And ju- yeah, I've just got our friends from snooker.org up here. So maybe uh, I'm 99.9% sure, but I'm not going to repeat any of the ones that you said. Siege Roy, he had a, had a win against Lucas Kleckers, 4-1. Of course, he had that great run just gone at the Crucible. Uh, Ken Doherty beat Alfie Burden 4-2. I know we mentioned that match, didn't we? I think when we, when we were looking ahead. Any more that you haven't mentioned? It? Ollie Lyons had a win, beat Liam Pullen 4-0. David Grace beat Jensen Kendrick 4-1. Uh, Graham Dotso off Zhang Ander 4-3. Uh, am, I, am I going to get the hey glare? No repeats so far? I think I'm no, doing you're all right. good. No, all good. What we got here now? Andy Hicks beat Andrew Higginson 4-1. That's one of, of interest. Did you say Wakelin, Padgett? Hmm. No, Wakelin 3-0 down in that one, came back to win. I say they're, they're, they're fairly common, as, as, as I remember Phil Yates saying, the old 3-0 down and 4-3, but still, you know, a, a, no, a notable achievement still. Uh, Jose Mafai had a victory, beat Andy Lee 4-1. David Gilbert beat Ryan Thomason 4-1. Uh, Wu Yizza saw Martin Gould 4-2. And you mentioned that Sanderson Lamb one. I know you did. That was, yeah, maybe one of the biggest stories, beating Joe Perry 4-2. And then, as I come towards the end here, I'll see one there of interest, Julian Leclerc beating Dean Young 4-2. But, of course, two great stars, Stephen Maguire and Jimmy White. Of course, Jimmy, yeah. Jimmy not at the races there, beating 4-0. And actually, I... I well, it's early days, but Jimmy doesn't look at the moment like he's going to be repeating that amazing season just gone. But, um, yeah, perhaps early to say that. But, yeah, Maguire M- needs the win, so doesn't he? So um, any wins he gets are important. Yeah, and, and that was impressive. Yeah, I watched a bit of that match because um, he didn't play Championship League and he didn't play the European Masters, so which w- was surprising, Not maybe not necessarily the Championship League because, yeah, he's really slipping down the rankings so he needs to get back on it and... Uh, so that was his first game of the season. So the first time he played since World Championship qualifying. And uh, first frame made a 1-3-5. So <laughs> I love that. It just, it's just not been on the table for months. I'm not sure he's been practising a bit, but um, what a way to start the season that is. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I'd, I'd like to see him get some wins going again. I we want to see Maguire on the TV as much as possible. I think he's always entertaining. Um, and I'm not sure where he is in the rankings now, but he's fallen quite far down. I've got him here. One second, number thirty-two, oh. um, which seems ridiculous, really, for a man of his quality. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then you see the people just behind him in the rankings, and you see how hard it is. I mean, um, the people directly behind him are Joe Connor, Pangshu, Jack Jones, Tetchaya. Tetchaya is thirty-six, um, yeah. which also seems mad. Um, so yeah, it's hard. It's obviously hard, but um, yeah, hopefully he'll get some wins going. And that was a good start to his season for him. Um, not sure who will. Well, we don't know who anyone's playing the British Open, do we? Because it's a random draw when they get there. Um, mm. Yeah, we'll see. We'll we'll be seeing him Cheltenham now. Do you remember? Do you remember how good Maguire was during that tour championship in COVID? I mean, you, you, 
Mm. What about you know a combination of Ronnie O'Sullivan, the best bits of Ronnie, the best bits of Hendry, the best bits of Davis? They still wouldn't have beaten him most of those frames. He's brilliant. <laughs> the standards he reaches at times, that guy, and yet he, he he's never done it enough. We know that. But anyway, still, still a mighty fine player, and let's hope there's still more to come from him. Uh, well, we should say, Phil, that we we did a uh, assure and promised listeners we'd. Uh, dot the I's and cross the T's on the US Women's Open in Seattle, which was taking place the last time we spoke. Well, we should say that uh, Mick Nutrat, uh, who's becoming a, f- a formidable force indeed in the game, uh, won the title. Our first trophy since January, actually. Uh, the world champion from last year beat on Yi at 4-2 in the final. So really, uh, you know, impressive. Another big success for her. Really enjoyed the tournament, as we said. Uh, I watched bits and pieces, not absolutely loads. I watched more last year, actually. But the, the bits I saw, very good service. Really enjoyed it. And, and as you rightly said when we were last on air, it would be a big surprise if those sort of big fours, you would call them in the tournament, didn't contest the semis. That's how it was. It was on ye four, Rebecca Kenner nil, and Mink four, Jamie Hunter nil in the semis. And then Mink beating Onye, as I say, in the final 4-2. Onye made the two highest breaks of that final, actually, and was 2 nil up. But Mink played really well to come back and win 4-2. She's quite a star, isn't she? Quite a talent and um, a really good winner of what's becoming such an enjoyable event. Yeah, yeah. It's a, we've we've praised the streaming service there from Oxbillies a few times and it's, it's worthy of it. It's great stuff. Uh, and yeah, well done to Mink. She's, uh, her trophy cabinet must be pretty big. Uh, you know, she really racks up a lot of silverware um, and well-deserved great stuff. And, yeah, Oni had that disappointment falling off the professional tour. Um, there's another bit of a disappointment there in the final. Um, but, yeah, playing some good stuff there, making some good breaks. So uh, she's she's far from done yet. She'll be around for a while yet. Um, but, yeah, congratulations to Mink, who um, is still only yeah, 23, I think she is, So um, and seems to be um, improving um all the time so yeah um yeah a lot of silverware in the cabinet and plenty more to come i'd imagine yeah definitely i would say so <clears throat> also I should say we heard from uh, our good friend david burney who of course we we, we praise for his f- fine words on commentary uh, and as you said his uh sartorial standards <laughs> t- taking it up a notch and two to say the least there and uh well david dropped us a line actually and said uh, hello nick and phil Many thanks for your very kind words on our production of the US Women's Open on your podcast. Uh, we are doing our best to grow the game in North America. And I would be honoured to be a guest on your podcast. Uh, feel free to let me know how you'd want to work it. And I will be happy to come on. All my best and see you in Sheffield, if not sooner. Cheers. Well, we have actually said today, haven't we, that we'll we'll try and get him on naturally why not before that the year is done? Strike while the iron's hot. He's a really lovely, lovely guy. So much to say I know about snooker. Very entertaining, very charismatic guy. He's great on that commentary. And they are boosting the game. And that 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 club looks great. We said it. It really looks the part. And, it, you know, you don't grow these tournaments exponentially and massively, you know, straight away. It takes time, but they're building it up. And it's getting that... Um, shall I say it, Phil? You know, it's not a word that I like to use too often, as you know, gravitas. But I drop it in from time to time. It's getting a bit of gravitas, Phil. And lovely to hear from Dave. And uh, we'll hear from you on this podcast before long. 
Well, yeah, hopefully we can get that sort for sure. It was lovely to meet Dave at the World Championship this year. Uh, a top guy. So, yeah, well, it'll be a pleasure to have him on. Um, and, yeah, was, shout out to the sponsorships they get over there. They had Microsoft on board last year, didn't they? And uh, this year it was sponsored by winesellers.com, which sounds great. Not really looked them up, winesellers.com, but I'm on board with it. Is that a shameless attempt to have something sent? I don't know. It might not be. You're I've not got that- a seller, but it's not a wine seller. But if, if winesellers.com wanted to turn my seller into a wine seller for me, then I'd be happy to let them. You've got everything. It's the biggest house in in South Yorkshire. It's like a, it's, it's like, I told you, you know, I've told the listeners about how incredible, you call them wings, don't you? A bit grand the way you do that. But you you say, uh, do, you, do you want to be in the, the East Wing or the, well, I said, I'll be in the West Wing, please. And it was very nice. Um, yeah, it's just a shame it fall, it's falling over. But uh, it, it, it's, it's big, but old and crumbling. <laughs> oh, God, that, yeah. There's so many ways I could have answered that, but let's just move on and say, Phil, that Liam Davis has won the first Q Tour event of the season uh, with a 5-2 victory over Craig Stedman in North Shields. Uh, Welsh teenager, make, teenager making breaks of 109, 86 and 78 for victory. And the really notable thing there is that the four victories before that, I noticed he beat Ryan Davis in the semis, all came with deciding frames. He's got a bit of bottle. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Fantastic player. And, yeah, the stat that jumped out to me, I had to look on the scoring page in the final, 5-2 against Craig Seven. Liam Davis finished with a pot success of 97.14, which, you know, I obviously didn't watch any of this. You couldn't watch it, but I assume that's accurate. And that is quite incredible um, uh, scoring from, from the Welshman. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, we know all about his talent and his potential. Um, take probably taking a little bit longer than we expected to get on tour because he's beaten some some very notable players already. Um, had some good wins and world qualifying and stuff, but um, this is a great win. Yeah, I mean Dwayne Jones in the quarterfinals, he's just been winning matches in main tour events. Ryan Davis in semis, and then yeah, you, you don't get much more of a gnarled veteran than Craig Stedman to challenge a, a teenage talent like Liam Davis and uh, he handled him very, very well. So yeah, really impressive stuff. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's just one of six on the Q tour, but it'll put him right at the top of the rankings, which is where you want to be to get a tour card at the end of the end of the season. So yeah, very impressive. It really was. Now, I don't mean to want to do an absolute marathon here, do we? Maybe we should move towards any other business. We know we've got English Open and Wuhan Open qualifiers coming up. Still waiting for the draws for that. Uh, the yes. English Open qualifies underway on Friday, so action thick and fast. We should say we'll, we'll look ahead in, in detail to the Shanghai Masters next time we're on air, uh, next Monday. So that's uh, a tournament to look forward to. But we, we really are now, Phil, moving into this kind of period we've been training for a while where it, it's snooker thick and fast. There's not really a week off now, is there? No, yeah. Um, yeah, the qualifiers back into that on the Friday. Um, and then Shanghai Masters, which is going to be some early morning viewing, I imagine. Um, so that'd be good. And then, yeah, I mean, that, then sort of September to Christmas is always is always great stuff. So yeah, this was uh, this was a real nice return to proper proper tournament snooker. So that was good. I, I meant to say the Q Tour stuff. I'll give a shout out to Krish Gurbaksani. I hope I've got that right. Um, who is an Indian player? I didn't know much about. He got he got to the quarterfinals. Um, he won five games to beat there. The last three were Fergal Quinn, Robin McGuigan and Barry Pinchers. So it takes some doing. Crash is only 21. 
uh, I had to look him up, and he shares a birthday with me, so I, I had an affiliation with him there. And also, I, I mentioned him in a tweet about the about getting to last eight, and he, he uh, DM'd me just saying thanks very much for mentioning me. That was much appreciated. So I thought, what a polite young man. So now, now I'm a big fan of his from now on. So I'll be keeping an eye out for his results. So uh, good luck to him. Well, you're a polite young man as well, Phil. In fairness, to you now. Um, what else should we say? You, you, you teased that you were doing other business during during the final. How, how was the wrestling? We we did want to hear about it. It looked like the an absolute monster crowd. Bro. I saw some of your pictures, and actually, I saw, I know quite a few people in life that were that were there for that. I, I don't profess to know exactly um what what the event was and why, if you know what I mean. But yeah. please tell me. Um, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, um, AEW All In. So uh, AEW is like the wrestling promotion. It's the first time they've been in the UK. So uh, having it at Wembley Stadium was pretty ambitious, but they sold uh, over eighty thousand tickets. Yeah. So they did very well for themselves. Uh, and yeah, it was a lot of fun. That was the kind of thing. I mean, I used to love it when I was a kid, and then I stopped watching it sort of through my twenties, and then have started watching it again relatively recently and it's i mean it's obviously very silly but uh it is very entertaining and i hadn't been before to a big show like that uh and it's an amazing production um yeah so it was a lot of fun really enjoyed it and uh, they've got some people on from who i was watching when i was sort of 12 or 13 who are still going strong and then some interesting new people so uh yeah no that was a it was a lot of fun like, worth going down to to wembley for that um really enjoyed it Oh, good man. Well, obviously, we, we've not been here for a couple of weeks. I've just come back from the Faroe Islands and re- really, really enjoyed that. It was a hell of an experience. I think the highlight, Phil, was possibly in the taxi from the airport to the town. Not often you say that. When the taxi driver suddenly said to me, oh, there's there's been some whales in this area. And I kid you not, I looked to my left and I saw a whale jump out of the ocean. I've seen, I've seen a few whales, but I've never seen that. It was extraordinary. The sort of thing I reckon that in years to come, I'll start thinking that I'm telling things to myself about, it, even though I know it happened. <laughs> I know it. I know it happened. It was um. It was quite something. A real a real haven for for for, for wildlife lovers. That place and yeah, a real absolute one off place. Feel very lucky to have gone there. Um, and glad to be back now, heading into the autumn. Lots of snooker to to catch up on. Uh, we, we often say, don't we, Phil, this time of year, so much great sport. I mentioned the athletics in Budapest. That's been keeping, I think, fans everywhere entertained over the last week. And we should also say that the England team went all the way, didn't they, in the Women's World Cup to the final. Congratulations to them. But I think Spain were very worthy winners of that final, actually. They were excellent, I thought, and that they won the tournament. Bit of controversy since, of course, with that um Pretty poor behaviour from the Spanish official that they seem to be backing for some reason. I don't know what what's he got on them. He's got yeah, it's mad, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> we, I was watching that live, and everyone in the room was just going, "What is this guy doing?" Um, it was pretty uncomfortable viewing, really. But yeah, um, yeah, it's been. I was really following that this morning on the train back from London and reading all the updates, and about Spain had suggested to UEFA that UEFA kick them out. Um, so they were they were they were backing him so much they were happy for their clubs to be booted out of European competition to save this bloke's skin. Uh, so it's all very very odd, um, but hopefully gets sorted out soon. Yeah, definitely. It, it's not it's not been a great success for men, I would say, since that world that World Cup. We had 
I mean, he's a pretty much he's a rotter anyway. Generally, Gianni Infantino, I have no worries in yes. saying that. Yeah. But I mean, his stuff about well, women have got to show us, and well, I mean, that's a pretty patronising stuff, isn't it? I mean, I know we speak on behalf of men, but they're not. They're, <laughs> I, I, it's not been a wonderful couple of weeks for our gender, actually, I think, in football. Let's be clear. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. It's such a shame with all that Spanish stuff because they were they've done so well to win that tournament, and no one's really talking about that. They're just talking about this odd bloke. So. Uh, yeah, hopefully he can just fade away into the background quite soon. Yeah, we've got US Open tennis getting underway. Ryder Cup golf just around the corner. The team's been selected, so loads of great sport. But this one, of course, a sport that we love so much, snooker, right back at the centre of our lives once again. So Shanghai coming up. We'll look forward to that next time. Uh, your correspondence is always welcome. We're going to have a special Your Views episode coming up probably in the middle of September, probably in a couple of weeks' time, actually. So... Uh, thank you for the for the uh, emails and tweets so far. Keep them coming, talkingsnooker at yahoo.com or tweet us at talkingsnooker. But maybe start uh, uh, at the same place we're going to end, Phil, which is which is an excellent win for Barry Hawkins. You know, congratulations. We're pleased, aren't we? Everyone's pleased. We don't have favourites in our game, but I think, you know, if you can't be delighted with Barry, who can you be delighted for? Sm- <laughs> smashing player and a smashing bloke, frankly. Yeah, I mean, that is... Uh... That's what you hear from everyone, and there's a reason for it, because it seems to be true. I won't profess to be like no Barry on a particularly close personal level, but any dealings I've ever had with him have been uh, thoroughly enjoyable. And, uh, yeah, he, he's a great player to watch. And, uh, and yeah, there's just, as I said, there's always been that sort of slight belief issue with him. Um, but you never know. This could be the start of a, a, a great little run. This could, it, might, it, it might not just be... His, uh, his last ranking event title at 44 years old. So, uh, yeah, we'll wait We'll wait uh, with interest to see what's coming from the Hawk. Well, me and you have got two of the busiest diaries in show business, but should we <laughs> should we make a vow that we'll try and get Barry Hawkins on here? Maybe, maybe before the year is done, certainly within the coming month, if he says yes. Yeah, we've got, we've got no, to no. try <laughs> No one said no yet. If Barry Hawkins is the first person to say no, that would be a bloody blow, wouldn't it? (laughs) Yeah, that would be on us. I think we've done something wrong in that situation. We'd have to have a close look at ourselves. And we should go, but but let's just say first, we set a date for the Tony Mio Trophy. We're going to do it in Manchester. Now, I'm not saying you're getting ideas above your station, Phil, but I mean, you, you were saying to me, do you think? I can't pretend this is true. You didn't. Um, we're we're going to make a silly joke about whether we'll take the gloss of the Tour Championship. We're not going to do that. I mean, it's going to be a big deal, but you know, the Tour is still going to be just you know, the, the biggest deal in the city this season. But we're going to do it. Um, I've got the excuse of no practice, of course. But listen, if Luca can win the world title with no practice, I reckon I can have a good go at the Tony Mio Trophy without practice. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's, it's soon, actually. Yeah, it's not. It's just around the corner now. Uh, and Manchester, a neutral ground. Um, so yeah, looking forward to it. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, we will. And maybe see you next time, sir. It's been a, 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 quite a long episode. We have quite a lot to catch up with. Then we over a couple of weeks. The big story: Barry Hawkins, as we say, winning the European Masters. Your company's been much appreciated. See you next time. Pleasure as always. Nice to speak to you. And thanks to everyone for listening. Always much appreciated. Speak to you soon. Certainly is. Talkingsnooker at yahoo.com is the email address. You can tweet us at Talkingsnooker. But for now, we appreciate you being with us. From Phil and myself, cheerio. Sports Social Podcast Network. 
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.